We're in a series uh, called Passionate Living, trying to, uh, just trying to stir some things up. I mean, I, I, uh, I don't think that our lives are supposed to be dead and dormant and just weary, and Jesus did not save us to bore us, you know? Am I right? And uh, I, 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 I'm glad, listen, I'm really glad to be born again. Anybody else glad to be born again? I'm just glad to be saved. Can I get a yes from somebody? Yes. I'm so grateful. I, uh, I, I, you know, I just don't know how to do life without Jesus. It's, it's the best life. Uh, you know, I don't know, perhaps you've, I don't know if you've been about, you know, that crowd of folk who say, you know, I'm a Christian on Sunday, but on Saturday, you know, I, listen, Sunday is your best day. Can I tell you? It is. So uh, our, our focus is igniting godly passion in the lives of God's people. There's something called worldly passions, correct? Yeah. So when we use the word passion, we're talking about godly passion. And we're looking at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and 14. Let everything you do be done and love everything. And we're, we're focusing on this. Uh, this is Valentine's Day this week. And next Sunday, got some... Going to talk about the passionate flame. You can only imagine what I'm talking about next Sunday, uh, but you're going to want to be here. Uh, last Sunday we talked about a passionate force, and we made the determination last Sunday that we need Holy Spirit in our life. That the best life is the Spirit-filled life. And I asked the question, "What turns you on spiritually?" And we came up with some, some, some statements. Worship. Uh, how many today as you worship, were you spiritually kind of, wow. Anybody there? Uh, just, you, I mean, I, I don't know where the time goes. I don't, I don't know how our worship team led by Emery Diggs does this. Uh, but I would need at least four songs to fill that much time. All right. And somehow two and a half. And I'm thinking, are, Saying that one more time. I mean, it's just anybody with me on that? It's that kind of worship. But in my in my life, I'm filling my life with worship. Confession and repentance is a powerful force in my life. I love to get honest with God. Anybody else there? I don't, I don't like to do uh, to to pretend. I that's that that changes me. It heals me. Seeing people come to Christ, the, the Word of God, being filled with the Spirit. Uh, revelation by the Holy Spirit, being a part of the body of Christ. And we added serving in the house of God. Last week, we passed out passion cards. We had many of those that were turned in. I'm still interested. If you weren't here, I need to get those out. I'll, I'll try to do that again next. Oh, we have some of the table out front. Passion cards. And here's, here's where we are. We have connection cards. We're, we're, we're still in connection. But what I want to do is find out what your passion is. Come alongside of you. And cause that to come alive in the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? What are you passionate about? What, what makes you come alive spiritually? And that's what these interest meetings are about. It's about discovering the passions of God's people coming alongside of them. And that's what, the, what we want to do next Sunday in interest meetings. Uh, today I want to talk from the topic of passionate family. Uh, and looking at this scripture, this doesn't sound like a passionate scripture, but it will be when we're finished today. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That is a passionate scripture right there, baby. All right. 
Uh, and you might say, well, you're just talking to husbands. No, I'm talking to everybody. But, but I, I want you to, th- this, is, this is where we're keying in. Some of, you, some of you don't have a husband. So you say, that doesn't apply to me. Maybe one day. But it's, it's more than this. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Uh, it's a, this is a massively misunderstood scripture as well. All of that, Ephesians 5. So today our purpose is igniting godly passion in homes. And when I say uh, godly passions, again, let me, let me uh, give some more definition here. Here we are. This is a spiritual sense of enthusiasm and excitement about the future success of your family. Let me say that again. A spiritual sense of enthusiasm and excitement about the future success of your family. I, I want to just throw some scriptures at you real quick that just might get you charged. Here's some scriptures. One, my grace is sufficient for you. Amen? How many know he's got enough grace? Anybody know that? Uh, here's one, Proverbs 3. Anybody know this? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with what? With all of your heart and he's going to direct your paths. How many have ever found that to be true? I don't understand everything. I'm just going to trust God right now. So how are you getting through this? You have all the answers? Somebody shout no. Shout it. No. But I'm going to acknowledge him. Hey, God's with me. He'll never leave me or forsake me. Uh, Of course, uh, Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for a welfare uh, and not for calamity to give you a hope and a future. So how many know God has plans and they're good plans? And uh, Philippians 4.13, read that. Come on. I can do. And James 1 and 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. You need wisdom, what do you do? Ask. 2 Corinthians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. Look at somebody and tell them, you're going to get through this. You're going to get through this. He said, well, you don't know what's going on in my house. Honey, you're going to get through this. You're going to get through this. In Matthew chapter 7, 24, read this. Come on, read it. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. How's that speaking to your home? How is that? A wise man who builds his house on a rock. Amen? So before the message is over today, I want to clearly identify the problem of passionless homes. And I want to give you some practical direction for the solution. Does anybody have a busy home? Anybody ever had a busy home? Look, I'm an empty nester, and the things that I'm doing right now, I was thinking yesterday, we got home rather late last night from the church, we had a 50th wedding anniversary celebration for Chuck and Etta Foreman last night, and that was a great time, that was a great time, but uh, I, was, I was running through the church doing some stuff, 
And I was thinking, you know, if, if I still had two tots in my house, I do not know how I would do this. Uh, I was thinking of one family, a pastoral family up in Waynesboro, Virginia right now. And they have four children. And they are two sets of twins. And I'm, somebody ought to pray for them. All under three years old. Some of you are, I saw a tear come to some of your eyes right now. Four kids under three pastoring in church. It's the grace of God. Uh, anyone have a busy house? Come on, I, come on, Ken, the Deebs, Deebs family, you have a busy house, don't you? Yes, yes, they're, they're, they can't even talk, they're so tired right now. She played the flute up here, barely got back to her chair, just let me sit down for a minute. I'm, I'm just glad you're all here today. It's tough competing against soccer, baseball, school assignments, band, sports, overtime, and life in general. And can I just throw this in? I'm so glad you're in church today because if you're too busy for God, brother, you're too busy. Amen? Amen. And if you're too busy to invest in your family, you're too busy. Some signs you might be too busy. All right? Uh, your general answer to everyone is... I'm just too busy. I didn't get an amen. Activities like eating are always done in as, in, are always done, typo, as you do other tasks. They're done in tandem with other tasks. You know what I'm saying? We're going to eat, but you're going to do your homework while you're eating. You know, you're consistently more tired when you get up in the morning than you are when you go to bed. And you dread getting up in the morning. I, I can't move. And you can't remember the last time you had a family day of rest. You don't know what that means. You have no concept. Survival mode is your only mode. You don't have time to manage the conflict in your house. And you manage the conflict in your home by saying, I don't have time for that. Come on, I, I need to have an altar service right now. We're all too busy. And sometimes busy is a necessity. It, I'm not saying don't be busy. I'm saying, uh, it, you know, if you're a family, you probably have work, school, homework, house chores, mealtimes, ball games, and after school activities, errands, etc., 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 etc. It's just how life is. And, and, and in it all, we sometimes just get lost and we wake up feeling like life is running us rather than we're running life. You say amen anytime you want if you've got energy, all right? And marriage and parenting is something we just don't have time for. And you wake up one morning and the kids are gone and you're 50 plus and you're wondering what happened to your home and your marriage and your plans and your dreams. And you wonder what happened to the joy in it all. And, and conflict sometimes can be unbearable. And you find yourself transferring issues in your own heart to your spouse uh, or to your kids or to your friends and realizing there's no way I could be the problem. Everybody else is the problem. And you realize you're sick and tired of the complaining and the struggle and the anger. And someone says, I'm done. Or out of your isolation, the devil whispers in your ear, the passion is just gone. And that relationship you're in is a mistake. Or you, I married the wrong person. And you start making inner vows. Anybody know what I'm talking about, inner vows? I, I just want to be happy. I deserve to be happy. But you really don't know what that means. You, you lose your passion. 
and the enemy begins, begins to lie to you. This happens on occasion, not to anybody here, but you think another man or another woman might be the answer to your isolation or your passionless life or just being alone. alone. How many know the devil is a liar? Anybody know that? You will never find wholeness by getting involved with another broken individual. Say, well, they're not broken. You think? Think they're not broken? They're, they want to be with you. <laughs> A clear sign that the other individual is broken is that they would be willing to get involved with someone as broken as you are. Should I say that again? And, and your children are wounded and your marriage is wounded and your heart is broken and you can't look at yourself in the mirror and you just don't know how it all went wrong and you go into consequence management. Consequence management. I, buddy Bob Gross wrote this, posted this the other day. When you're having to hide and cover areas of your life, you're not getting better or smarter. You're actually heading toward that moment when you can no longer manage the pieces and it can all and it can all fall to pieces faster than you can imagine. I'm just managing all the consequences of my bad choices and hoping it doesn't all fall, fall up and fall in my face, blow up my face. And you miss the passion. I just wanted life and joy and a loving family, but the devil plays a dirty trick on you and life pulls a fast one and your life does not look like the movies and it doesn't turn out like a romance novel. Am I right? Am I, this is not a new story. Everybody, you know, and I just want to say, everybody, just slow down. Just slow down. Kind of reminds me of my daddy, you know, because, you know, I'm one of uh, four brothers, but most of my life it was the three of us, and we did not have a station wagon. We were all three in the back seat. And my brothers and I, we would get going, and somehow I would end up on the bottom of the pile. I don't know how. I mean, we didn't have seat belts or car seats in those days. I mean, everybody remember what I'm talking about? And we'd get going, and next thing you know, we're wrestling, or somebody punches somebody, and Daddy says, do you want me to pull this? Don't make me pull this car over. All right? And Mama just leans back over the seat. And you're having to come to Jesus. Well, that wasn't me! My brother John always says he got the beaten at those particular moments. Somehow he ended up on top of the pile. I don't know. There's a time to be at the bottom of the pile and a time to be at the top. And when mama's doing this and you're the youngest, you just squirrel underneath everybody. Camo. Some of us have had that come to Jesus moment where everything seemed to be falling apart. And Holy Spirit said, I'm going to pull this car over. And I've stopped this thing for a moment to get your attention and regroup and convict and repent and sanctify some things that are simply nowhere near where I want them to be. So uh, we, we kind of got that. Got to figure it. And it comes out in different ways. Uh, let me begin by saying this morning, God is passionate about your home. God is passionate about your home. Uh, Ephesians 5, all this Ephesians 5, this is very Ephesians 4 and 5, read through that. Read with some other versions as well so you don't miscontextualize things. People do that with scripture reading all the time. They just miss it. But Ephesians 5, 21, uh, the, the word of God says, honor Christ by submitting to one another. You like that? Honor, how do you honor Christ? Is that what that says? Yeah, you don't have to be, come on. 
You don't have to have an MDiv right now. Come on. Honor Christ by submitting to one another. And then Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. God is enthusiastic and excited about our homes. Sometimes we so miscontextualize scripture such as Ephesians 5 that we fail to see the passion in it. In Ephesians, Paul is dealing with family struggles in the new church at Ephesus. There were struggles. There were struggles in the church. Now, let me just lay this out just so you have a clear understanding. Uh, Culture is a big deal. Can I get an amen? Uh, Anybody ever went into a restaurant and you knew what it was like before you ever had the food? Because it will will suggest some things to you just as you walk in the door, right? I mean, if you see the trash can overflowing and you see people yelling at each other and there's a hostess there, but she don't say nothing like, what do you want? Two? Two? That's, it's already set up. You know what I'm saying? You can feel things. Now, freedom, how many know there's a culture here? Anybody feel the culture of freedom? Uh, I, I want it. I, sometimes you feel certain things you don't want to feel, you know? But uh, hopefully when you walked in the door, there was authentic love you felt at the front door. Does that make sense? And as you walked in, hopefully... You experience some authenticity and some realness and the love of God. It's just kind of a, a, a cultural thing because and at freedom, we are a family. Am I right? We are a family, but we are also a family of families. So what's going on at, at your house impacts what's going on at this house. Is that right? So I'm saying this. It. It seems like for the church at Ephesus that's being written to, it seemed like it was similar to the struggles that we have in our own cultures. And the Holy Spirit is fixing this with the word. And and I want you to look at that. Honor Christ by submitting to one another. Serving and submitting is the way we do life as believers. I ain't serving nobody. You probably ain't saved. Does that make sense? Because Jesus came and served us. And out of that, that was kind of a heavy statement. I don't want to hurt your feelings that bad. I'm just saying that out of that, there's service that shows up. I want to serve. I want to love. I want to care. And, and so this is the word of God. Uh, honor Christ by submitting to one another. And that word submitting and serving, it's basically the same word. All right. It's how we do life. God sets this all up. It's his plan on how to manage life. We are constantly serving each other. It's the way you do home. Everybody's taking care of one another. You've got kids in the house. They're going to rise up and take care of one another. However, husbands, you have a struggle with it. So the Lord takes your servanthood up a notch. You're supposed to serve. You get this? Somebody says, well, you know, husbands are the head of the house. They don't serve. No, you are like head servant in the house. All right. You you get called to love as Christ loved the church. You're supposed to love and serve your family as Christ did. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it hurts. You work overtime at home and family because you want your home to see Jesus when they see you. Does that make sense? 
Brothers, you have to surrender your time and your energy to make sure that your family is after Jesus. You have a role of being the first one and, and the last guard as the one who is going to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and keep bringing your family back. You can see it's like, that's why daddy, hey, daddy says, you want me to pull this car over? Why? Because we're about to come to Jesus right now. Come on, dad. I know this is a strange teaching for some of you, but the fact is God is passionate about your about the wholeness of our lives and our home, no matter what kind of home you have. Single, single parent, couples with kids. I'm just going to read it, all right? <laughs> couples without kids, grandparents raising kids, blended families. You know, she has some kids, you have a kid. They don't know whether to call your dad Mike or mom or, mom or Molly and you're you're not sure if you're allowed to discipline them or not, and sometimes you are, and sometimes you're not. How many, can I get a blended family amen right now? Amen. Sometimes it ain't easy. Amen. Can I take you another step? We're a church that loves people, and I find people in some awkward family settings, some that are downright contrary to the Word of God, and they need healing and direction. We know marriage is sacred, and it's between a man and a woman. However, here at Freedom, some of you are in some complicated situations. And I'm here to pastor all of you. Or let me say it from a Virginia. All y'all. Okay? <laughs> Jesus loves all y'all. I love all y'all. And even though some of us need to fix our marital status, families are close to God's heart. In fact, they were His idea. From the beginning, when God created man, He said it's not good for man to be alone. So He created a woman. As a help me. Suitable for Him. And then, next thing you know, they're eating the wrong apples, and the kids are killing each other. <laughs> Hello? Then he, then he blessed them and told them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so they multiplied, and things got really weird. Noah had to make, make an ark. You know that story? Uh, even after they fell into sin... God continued with his plan for families and even spoke prophetically of the salvation that he would come, uh, that would come through the seed of a woman uh, in Genesis 3, where they, uh, he says, you know, it's going to hurt. Can I get an amen from a woman? Having babies ain't fun. Like, oh, whoa, I got to go through delivery. No, no woman said no woman ever. Get this thing out of me. Yes, said lots of women several times. After the flood, he reiterated his plan to Noah. He said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth. And then God continued his plan when he chose Abraham and miraculously gave him a son in his old age. But there's some backstory on that. And so it goes all the way down to, to the fullness of time when God sent forth his son to redeem us. Uh, and so throughout the ages, God's plan and desire has always been for us to live in wholeness and have passion and joy in our families. To raise up our children to know and love God and to walk in His ways. 
And you, you can hear this passion in Deuteronomy 6 and 6. God told the Israelites, He said, I want you to keep my, my commandments in your hearts. I want you to teach them diligently to your children. I want you to talk to them throughout the day and in every circumstance in life. I want your kids to know everything about me. I want you to put signs on your, on your walls and over your doors. And I want you to teach them my word. I want them to know that they know that they know me. So I'm just saying God loves family and he loves your children. Uh, you may not feel like it right now. And, you know, we, we need to do better. I, I have had, uh, not one time, but several times in my life, I've had couples come in or a couple, one individual come to me and say, this is over. I'm saying, why? And, and somebody says, well, like, well, we fell out of love. You fell out of love? Yeah, I fell out of love. So, okay, so when did you fall in love? Tell me about falling in love. Do you remember when you fell in love? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember when we fell in love. Like, like exactly when. You know, you ought to remember if, if you fell. You know, I remember, you know, years ago, it was April 15th, 1987. My wife fell off the front step of our house and broke her ankle. I remember when she fell. So if you fell in love, you ought to remember when you fell in love. It's hard, hard for people to answer, you know. Not, it wasn't a gradual thing when she fell. It hurt immediately. Eventually someone says, sure, yeah, we met. We started going out and, or we were going to school and we had lunch and dinner dates and got giddy and, you know, and <laughs> fell in love. So I said, well, maybe if you go back, do some of those things you did at the beginning, maybe you'd fall back in. Amen. Come on. Am I preaching to anybody? I got any married couples in the house. My wife is still my girlfriend. And, and, and let me add this. Uh, be fruitful. I think that's more than having a children. If you're going to be happy in your home and life, married, not married, whatever your family circumstance is, you're going to have to do some watering and weeding and planting. You say, well, we got a family. I ain't doing nothing. It just happens. Got a lot of weeds. Well, you know, maybe need to pull some weeds. You know what we call love, really? A choice. You got to choose to love your kids sometimes. I, I knew I was going to get an amen there. You don't feel like waking them up or you always feel like sending them to school. But you don't. Love is a choice. Remember John 3.16? God so loved the world that he gave. That, my friend, is a choice. I don't always feel love, but I choose love. The passion will rise out of actions that you take. And let me say something to some of those in and out of love couples. Forgive one another. Date one another. Spend time together on purpose. Sit out on the porch and have a cup of coffee together without the children and talk. And when they come out, I say, no, no, you go back in the house right now. <laughs> this is our time. Take 30 minutes. Pray out loud for each other. Work through your conflicts. Be, in fact, let me, let me go on. Be passionate about resolving every family conflict. Say, I don't have a family. You got a mom? You got a dad? You got some people right here that your family... 
Ephesians 4.26, be angry without sinning. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil an opportunity to work. Going to bed angry is giving the devil an opportunity to work. This is, a great, this is a great version of the teaching. Here's the context. You're going to get angry. If you go to bed with a grudge, the devil is going to go to bed with you. You will literally be sleeping with the enemy. And he will cozy up to you and whisper things in your ear. Come on, this is not just the family scripture. If you're mad at me and go to bed angry, the devil will sleep with you. I don't feel him. Yeah, but you'll listen to him. If you don't resolve conflict and, and, and you take them to bed, you're sleeping with the enemy. And at the very least, uh, you're going to have something called inner vows. I ain't going to let anybody talk to me that way. And the next thing you know, you begin to believe things that are lies. Am I right? Yes. That you're going to have to work out. It was one issue. By the time you wake up the next morning, it's 30 issues. I want to let you in on some reality about family conflict. The reality is that conflict in family is going to happen. So we don't have conflict in our family. You're a liar. You're ignoring the reality. We all have conflict. Even as perfect as Diana and I seem to be, on occasion, she will tell me how to drive. Just getting this out. Listen, marriage isn't a destination. Family isn't a destination. It's a journey. You are people and you have the ability to resolve conflict. Listen, no marriage couple has ever lived free of conflict. If you're on the planet, you're going to have disagreements. It's normal. You'll say, I married the wrong person. If two people are just alike, one of you is not needed. Remember when Adam, God looked at Adam and said, uh, everything else is good. Good, 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 good. And he looked at Adam and said, not good. And women like to say, he said, I can do better than that. I don't think that's what he said. Got a little conflict here. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. And he created a woman. She was not just like him. Can I get an amen? Amen. Uh, there's going to be conflict, and all conflicts can be resolved. You have to learn to engage. You have to learn to calm down. You need to learn to have a normal tone of voice. You need to be slow to speak and quick to hear. I'm preaching to you right now. I'll come back to that. And remember this, peacemaking is a two-way street. Come on. Ask, what do you see that I don't see? What do you hear that I don't hear? I need input. My wife, on occasion, I was teasing about driving because we really don't fuss about it. I, I, years ago, I, get, I it used to frustrate me, and years ago, I thought, I need her input because people are crazy out here. I need her to say, no, don't change lanes right now. I need that. I am alive because of those things. Blessed are the peacemakers, not just the peacemaker. And peace is never permanent. Jesus says in the last days there will be wars and rumors of wars in your house. (laughs) 
And the greatest enemy of communication is arrogance. Listen, men hate being embarrassed. Don't we hate being embarrassed? I hate it. That's, it's just the reality. We want respect and honor all the time. But you are going to get embarrassed on occasion. I don't want to look stupid, but sometimes I do. And women don't mind it when you look stupid. <laughs> the meek inherit the earth, the meek, uh, the teachable, the teachable. We don't need to know just what you think. We need to hear. Proverbs 18 and 2 says, A fool only wants to express their opinion. Married couples spend too much time trying to avoid conflict. You, you think they don't like that and you put up a wall until you have all of these walls and you can't talk about anything. Man, it'll make you mad if I say something. So... You, you need to learn how to this. I'll teach you some of that in a minute if I have more time. I'm going to give you some t- tips on overcoming. In fact, I'll give you some tips right now on overcoming conflict. Uh, Proverbs 18, 14. The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? How many have ever heard that scripture? Who can bear a broken sp- scripture? Uh, help me, Jesus, with this. All right. I, I want to. How many have ever packed something? Has anybody ever packed before? You know. And here's, here's, here's what I want to show you, okay? Um, this is your flesh. You got that? This is what? Flesh. That's my flesh right there, okay? Uh, you, know, you, know, you know what will happen to this if it gets wet? It's, that's, it gets, gets a little messed up, but you can still use it, you know? This would last for a long time, but eventually it's going to wear out because it's, fle- it's, it's, it's just cardboard, right? Now, here's what you need to understand is inside of us is a soul. All right? Now, what do you know about this? It's fragile, right? And so we just drop it in there and we say anything we want to it and we load it up and send our kids off to school. Hey, hey, you don't be stupid like you were last week on test day. All right? You hear what I'm saying? Some of you went to school like this. Did you not? You went to school just like this. Listen, sometimes in conflict, this is what we do to one another. We forget what's inside of them. All we want is their action. We want them to be mailable. We want them to be portable. We we want to be able to get them from point A to point B to point C. We want you to get a job. That's what we want you to do. And we forget that on the inside... The words that we speak are, are, are impacting the things on the inside. And one day, you look inside of it, and it just, it just you say, why is what I married, why is it so broken? Why does it hurt when I touch it? Why are people bleeding? Am I, am I telling the truth? And I'll preach a sermon like this and talk to you about communication. And I'll tell you, you need to be slow to speak and quick to hear. And you'll be shouting over each other before you get out of the parking lot. Am I telling the truth? Somebody who's been there, say amen. Amen. And I'm not just talking about husbands and wives. 
I'm talking about whatever the condition of your home, your family. You might say, well, you know, it's not my kids. It's, my, it's those crazy parents that I had. They just won't be quiet. I, I get that, okay? Because they grew up like this, they anticipate that this is what you're going to look like too one day. Okay? This has become the normal. You can still drink out of it. You just can't set it down anywhere and rest. Right? It still works. Sometimes our discomfort is so comfortable. And you think it's everybody's normal. You think everybody's busted up and everybody's broken. So you end up just breaking other people. Some of you know what I'm saying. Because you came by this. You didn't just get angry when you got married. You were angry as a child. I ain't got time to preach all of this. Wouldn't it be nice if instead of that we realized that God wants us to be a little more careful with what we have to say? That our children are the inheritance of the Lord and you look at them and you say, I'm, not, I'm going to be careful with my words. I'm going to speak to them with love. Come on, anybody know what I'm saying? In your marriage, don't you wish that a few of those arguments would have been bubble wrapped just a little bit? You say, we can't bubble wrap and walk around on eggshells. Well, you certainly can walk around with a hammer stomping on each other. Maybe what we should do, and I'm not saying avoid the conflict. I'm saying take your words and temper them with the Holy Spirit. Yes, we want to speak the truth, but the scripture says we should speak the truth in love. That means that we say it in a particular way, that we qualify. Look, I, want, I love you and I care about you. I'm not trying to destroy us right now. I know this is going to be difficult to talk about, but I want you to know that there's nothing that's going to happen in this conversation that's going to cause me not to love you and care about you. You matter to me. You're important to me. And I know you got to go to school and I know it's a tough day, but let me tell you, you're going to get through this you're going to make it come on anybody hear what I'm saying and, you, and, and yes they're going to get rocked and yes there will be some people who handle them in a rough way but you will have wrapped their soul in the precious love of God and they'll get through it Amen. you'll talk to school teachers and you'll talk to others and you'll write a big handle with care on their lives you know what I'm saying I can't write right now Just there we go handle with care there we go that's what it says. It's in a different language. But it says handle with care. Okay? We need to do this. And, and you know what? When you, when you treat your children right, when you treat one another right, they'll begin to have an understanding of what right speaking and right listening is about. How to listen to the Holy Spirit and how to speak blessing. How to slow down their words long enough to stop and actually hear what somebody else is trying to hear. Because, when, listen, when you're hurt and you're so broken, you're constantly living in defensiveness because you just know you're going to get broke more. Next time you get a delivery from Amazon, think about this. <laughs> Open it up and talk to your children about it. Oh, Jesus. Help me finish this. It's a mess up here. Communicating is a gift. Conflict, conflict resolution is a gift. But if you package it wrong, you'll damage the gift. Wrap it carefully. You can't resolve a conflict by victimizing a wounded child. The spirit is breakable. You can't, listen, your conflict has only uncovered something that's probably been there for years. You need to resolve it for the purposes of Christ. 
Not your purpose. Not for vindication, not for justification, not for pride. Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love so that we may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt, how many, how many corrupt words? Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What? My words grieve the Holy Spirit? Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. James 1.19. Read this with me. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Next time you, have, you, you decide to have a shouting match, I want you to remember this. Next time, listen, just take these scriptures. Take them home with you. Take, I think I put them in your notes. Take them home. Next time you hear the kids screaming at each other, I want you to sit them down and open up the word of God and say, let me show you what the word of God says. So I ain't going to give them the scriptures while they're yelling. I'm just going to beat them. No. <laughs> that never worked for you when you were a child. It's not going to work for the next generation. Let me, let me finish this up. God is passionate about the spirit of children. I already read the scripture, Deuteronomy 6 and 7. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. This is such a loving scripture. It suggests God's passion. This is personal to me because I came from some awesome family members. You've met my family in some awesome family settings, by the way, of some. But I also came tragically by others. This past, oh Jesus, help me. This past Wednesday would have been my mother's 80th birthday. She, had been, she would have been 80 years old. So I usually on that day spend some time just studying about her because I have her writings and I also have a box of scrap notes where she taught classes. She would teach Bible classes. And I'm telling you, I don't know how I'd miss this one. But somehow, I've missed the treasure. Uh, she was a Bible teacher. Uh, her birthday, of course, was February 6, 1939. Her father's birthday was February 8, 1907. So I found uh, some pictures tucked away in an envelope with this lengthy lesson. And I cannot read it all to you, but... Uh, I found this picture and then like seven or eight pages of notes. And she, it was really scribble, I could tell. You know, she didn't have like, you know, mom could type, but I mean, it wasn't the days when you did all these other things. So uh, the picture is a mugshot of her dad. I had never seen this before. My grandfather, Marshall Smith. Uh, and then she writes, and I'll just read a little bit of this because my time is gone. When, when mother, she writes this, she's writing about her mother. This is my mother saying this. When mother married my daddy, she was 20. She hardly knew him. He came a courting. She was raised so stuck and was so naive. She believed everything he said, mostly lies. Wow. Jesus. He pretended salvation even to some Pentecostal ways. 
but he did not practice them. He had no place to take her, so he took her home to his dad and mother's who did not want her and would not want us. Before I was born, my mother gave birth to my brother, who was severely mistreated by my, my dad's father, the grandfather. He was treated worse than me because I was just a baby. My brother was a handsome little black-haired boy. I was born jaundiced, scrawny, and sickly. Ah, I didn't even grow hair until I was 18 months old. I did, ha I did have mama's big eyes. Mother took care of me by herself because she had no money for doctors, but God was with us. Jesus. By the time I had learned to walk, I had already had three childhood diseases before I could get over one of them. I didn't really know how young I was when I realized we could not count on daddy. Mother was our security. You like that? She goes on and on. Her next line is, it was hard on a single mother alone in a city with a man who was constantly drunk and gambled all of his money away. Mama learned to survive by her own abilities, sewing, baking, and babysitting. None of her employment paid, him, paid, paid much, so she became very efficient in budgeting. When my baby sister was born, I was her champion, even though I was insecure and too sensitive. You hear the words? I mean, is it, isn't it powerful? You're looking at me like, please read more, Pastor, you know? Uh, okay, I'll read one more. I, okay, give me five. Ushers, hold the people out. Okay, anyway. <laughs> my mother eventually succumbed to the stress of the years and abuse from daddy. Don't hear all that story. And had a nervous breakdown and was taken to the hospital. Daddy came home drunk as the life squad was taking her out of our little apartment. What? I remember thinking she was dead. Get that? My mother's parents arrived from Kentucky and stayed with us. Daddy towed the line while Grandma was there, pretending to be all he was not. Grandma didn't like him and didn't think he was good enough for Mom. And she didn't care if he knew it. <laughs> Anybody like my memo? I took it all in, and when my mother came out of the hospital, the doctor said she needed to get away somewhere quiet to recover. My grandparents moved us back to Kentucky. Daddy came too. We were the poor kin. My grandparents' love and generosity kept us alive. I, uh, it, 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 just to, to finish it up, it, it, the, it, part of the conclusion, after that mother for the first time got a monthly welfare check, she was embarrassed to draw it, but there was no way she could make it on her own. There's so much to read, but I believe her story speaks to all of us. Let me remind you of the power of a godly life, of a praying wife, of a praying woman, of a praying man, but also of a godless life. My mother lived a fully Christian life and bore children who are pursuing Jesus today. But I remember how she fought her past and her brokenness and her wounds. If it had not been for her faithful single mama and her passionate grandparents, my mother would have been lost. But in August of 1991, my mother reconciled with her father. That's the reconciliation. She forgave him. He was in a nursing home, dying. He could hardly remember it. He would get up out of his chair and leave the place saying, I've got to go find my daughters. And she took two grandchildren and went. She reconciled. She forgave him. This is the power 
of reconciliation. And you say, that story just breaks my heart. That story is a story of passion and power. Am I right? It's passion. How many of you in this room could lift your hand and say, Pastor, I relate to some of those sensations and feelings in my life. Look around the room. Look around the room. People who have experienced that. And if it wasn't your immediate family, it might have been someone else. Our children's eternity is worth more than our addictions and our anger and our unreconciled issues. More than your offense. More than our pride. And more than our anger. Don't break the spirit of the next generation. Let me tell you what successful children are. What does it mean you successfully raised a child? They love the Lord. They fear the Lord. They have friends who are Christians and they're actively connected with the church. Now, some of you are saying, Pastor, you just told me that I'm not successful. You're not finished yet. You say, well, no, my kids are like 40 or 50 or 60 years old. You're not finished yet with your children. I love what Joshua said in his old age. And I finished with this. Stand up with me. In Joshua 24, Joshua, before his death, As he is going to the promised land, he stops and he looks at everybody and he says this, Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites. In whose your in whose your land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now let me tell you what that is. That is claiming the word of God. Somebody said, as for me and my you're not saying it with passion, you're saying it like you're sweet. Come on. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I know you got brokenness in your past, but I want some passion to rise out of you right now. You can't let your past brokenness destroy future generations. You gotta say with passion, you look the devil square in the face and you say, as for we will say, I don't have any kids. You got a husband, you got some nieces and some nephews, you got kids right here in this church that are your spiritual children. Come on, shout it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Who needs to pray before you leave? Come here. Who needs to pray before you leave? Shout to him. Shout to him. As for me and my house. Shout it. As for me. Jesus. I'm just glad you're all standing here. I really am. I'm glad you're standing here. Some of you around this room would like to take your husband or wife by the hand or a friend by the hand. Help yourself. But come close to me if you would. Just come close. Come close. All my prayer workers come around behind him.
family is better when it's filled with godly passion. Right? Family is better when it is said, when it's filled with godly passion. Family is better when it's filled with godly passion. Some of you know about brokenness. So I'm standing here, Diane and I in June, we will have been married for 38 years in June. We haven't done everything right. I'm not saying you'll never have conflict again but I can say after this day we could just confess just bow your heads and confess to the Lord because you're come on what turns you on spiritually worship confession and repentance right it causes your spirit to stir so just bow your heads right where you are and confess to the Lord say Lord there are some areas in my life that I need you to take over and I need you to heal. Tell him, I need you to take over. And I need you to heal. And the Holy Spirit saying, I'm so glad you're saying that because I want to do so much through your life. I want to heal your children. I want to heal your family. I want to heal your relationship. And there are people that are within your reach that are your spiritual family. Your neighbors, your co-workers. And I want to touch them too. But I need you. Do you hear the Holy Spirit saying that? He's saying, I need you. I'm passionate about you. Now I want you to forgive who you have to forgive. Just say it. I forgive. Say it. I forgive. And I want you to hear the Holy Spirit. As Jesus says to you, I forgive you. You've come to pour yourself out and I forgive you. Anybody in the congregation receiving this? I forgive you, the Lord says. That's the work of the cross. Now the Holy Spirit is coming inside of you. In that broken place. He's saying, I want to heal the broken vessel inside of you so that you can be filled with new wine. You know what that is, right? Tell him, I surrender, Lord Jesus. Tell him, I surrender. Jesus. Jesus. Now, you to offer him yourself. Would you do that? Everybody that's here, just all, raise your hands gently and say, Lord, I give you myself. The prophet of God said he had to go down to a potter's house and he took a vessel that was marred and he put it back on the wheel and he made it new again. So tell him, say, Lord Jesus, make me new again. Heal the brokenness. Heal the cracks. Heal the conflict in my life. Teach me to be slow to speak. Quick to hear. Heal my family. Heal my children. So I know you don't have all have grandchildren, but say this. Heal my grandchildren. Heal my spiritual children. Give me godly passion in my home again. And the Lord says, yes, I've just been waiting on you. I want my prayer workers to come close. And I want you to just lay your hands on them. You're going to feel somebody touch you on the back or somewhere. Okay, all my prayer workers. Okay. And all the way around the room. 
I want you to put your arms around somebody and I want you to speak blessing into their life and healing to their brokenness. Would you do that? Do that. And I say for those of you who are in prayer and, and altar workers, please take your liberty to minister to one of to these folks. To all of you, as for you and your house, you will serve the Lord. I declare it in the name of Jesus. He will heal broken vessels. for a moment when you finish praying consider yourself dismissed may the Lord bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace if you're new I'd love to see you in the hospitality